Well, we made it to the end, Clay. And mm-hmm. I thought I would check with you about... Um, I, I always have a kind of a weird reaction when we finish these things. It happened with TNG. It happens uh, occasionally with some of the other little series that we do and things like that. But uh, you'll have like... It's it's most profound feeling in the Star Trek when after 150 episodes, you're at the end. And you're kind of like, ah, like it's getting to the end. That's good. Like it'll be over uh, fairly quickly and we'll be done with the series and everything. We can move on. And then we get to the finale and I'm kind of like... I can't believe it's over. So sort of like yeah. <laughs> it hits me in a weird um I wouldn't say it's like an emotional reaction, but it's kind of like this like bittersweet ending, very similar to I guess how the finale what you leave behind actually feels for a lot of its characters. I didn't know if you felt the same or if you just see this as a uh, another day job that you have to go through and you're just like punching out at this point. Yeah, man, it's all a grind to me at this point, you know? Yeah, get your chronos hours in and then just move on to the next gig. Yeah. No, I uh <clears throat> I uh yeah, I kind of felt the same way, I think, where uh I'm always surprised when a finale pulls it off because I think it's really it can be very difficult to do and uh have it be satisfying and not it's it's difficult to write a new story that is also your last story that is satisfying for the seven years that have come up to it. Um, and it's really tempting, I think, to just do like a clip show. And uh, so I'm always impressed when they when they can uh, stick the landing. And I've been most impressed with Star Trek because they tend to stick the landing pretty well, mm-hmm. at least between this one and TNG. So two two out of the five. Anyway. Yeah, the TOS doesn't really have an ending because it doesn't. Right. it didn't know that it was ending. It was just a regular episode that was. The and final Enterprise one. Enterprise sticks the landing by pretending Enterprise never happened. Yep. So yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to we're going to talk about uh, maybe why or why not DS Nine fits uh, hits hits its landing with what you leave behind. But I just want to say thank you to all the listeners who have uh, been listening for the entire time. Thank you very much to all the patrons who have been supporting the show the entire time. We finally did it. 176 episodes or whatever of DS9 are finally done. This is the last one that we're going to be talking about. So we're going to go out uh, with a little bit of different music here that I'm going to take a, a, a YouTube ad. Cole. What? <laughs> I'm going to take Place a YouTube. Cole. Okay, you, yeah. Play Paula Cole. Damn it. <laughs> it's, it was, it's actually Natalie Cole, but because it's Christmas time at this time, we're going to get, uh, <laughs> we're going to get Nat King Cole's classic No, it's cover Nat up. King Cole, not Natalie Cole. Jesus Christ. No, I know he has a daughter. Who who covered that song, I think, right? I, I yeah, think. I think so. Did they that's do a duet hit. together? Uh, I think they did a duet, one of those posthumous duets. Yes, it's posthumous. He's dead at the, at the time of the recording, which is bizarre and freaky. But we're going to be we're going to be going out with um a little bit of music here that'll cause uh some YouTube ads probably to run that I won't get paid on, but I think it's worth doing at this point. So here we go with some music and then we'll get into it.
know if a good place to start, Clay, is always to compare this show to TNG or anything, mm. but I think that TNG had almost a perfect finale for itself, as you were talking yes. about before the break. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess we, we should introduce this episode, too. This is What You Leave Behind. It's the series finale for DS9. It's the 25th and 26th episode of the seventh season, aired on June 2nd, 1999. Feature-length episode written by Iris Stephen Baron Hans Beamler, directed by Alan Croker. In this adventure, the final adventure, the Federation Alliance prepares an invasion of Cardassia. Meanwhile, on Bajor, Kai Wynn releases the power rates from the fire caves, which threatens the safety of not only Bajor, but the entire Alpha Quadrant. It's a series finale of DS9. And um, as I was saying, we, you don't always want to compare it to TNG or anything, but I think TNG had a almost perfect finale for itself mm-hmm. as a series. And I think you could argue that DS9's What You Leave Behind is a perfect finale for DS9 in that it captured a lot of things that made DS9 DS9, I think, which are both good mm-hmm. and bad, very interestingly. Mm-hmm. It's... um. It's an interesting series because where TNG had this consistency and that you could see the finale being this kind of consistent, perfect episode that is an encapsulation that also doesn't really have to wrap up anything because the show never wrapped anything up in that way. You mm-hmm. can just keep mm-hmm. going with it. DS9 had to end and it had to finish up these stories and it had so many stories going throughout its entire seven series run that were like overarching themes. You get to a point where, as we were being like hinted at in the final arc, some of them just aren't going to be as good as other ones. And so mm. you end up with this this finale, which uh, I guess I'll throw off to you about what you think about it at this point. But I'm just, I think it is a very much a DS9 series ending show episode for this one. I think that they managed to do that very well. Whatever that means is up to you, but I think it's true regardless of what you think about it. Yeah. Um, to continue my gymnastics analogy, um, this is kind of like uh when you know you're doing the gymnastics routine you hit your final jump you're hitting all your flips it's going really well and then you land it and you do kind of like that wince thing yeah well, which one, ends one up foot knocking, steps back sometimes where they have to steady yeah, themselves yeah. yeah which ends up like knocking enough points off of your your score that you don't win uh that's what this felt like to me uh because like they had all these things that were going through all seven seasons and all these different things they're wrapping up and it's going really nicely. And then they hit the ground and that pain just shoots up your leg like a fireball out of a fire cave. <laughs> it's a, I assume you're talking about the, um, the fire cave ending to this thing. Yes. Let's, that, <laughs> well, let's save that, I, I think. Okay. I just, I just want to say, cause I need to say this. I have never seen a show actively forget they had a running plot line <laughs> where they where they fake out you out with an ending you mean and then realize yes. that they have to end somewhere else yeah and yeah. It, it, like that's what it felt like it felt like they actively forgot that they had the gul ducat stuff going so they ended the show and then like literally cisco's like oh shit i gotta i forgot i forgot i have this thing i figured it out i gotta go i'm sorry I, i'll see you guys later and then they yeah. have this like truncated fight and then they they do this terrible you know dump each other into the fire like uh sherlock and moriarty and i i don't know that stuff was dog shit man i hated that stuff i thought it was terrible the 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 funny thing is i even kind of forgot about it because when it when it got to the casino uh lounge scene where they're all sort of hanging out for their final night and vic is crooning and all the writers and producers are in the audience uh that you can kind of pick out if you've been watching the show long enough um, oh that's fun i didn't know that there was about a half hour left at that point and i was like oh 
I forgot that they spend the last half hour just saying goodbye to everybody. And then you get the yeah. Ducat call and you're like, oh, right, of yep. course. Yeah, Ducat has to be dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was, yep. it was not. I, uh, I ever, the episode was so good, except for every time they cut back to the fire caves. Let's, let's say, let's save that because sure, I think, I think we that. can talk about this episode in kind of the narrative chronology that goes on because I think that the way that they wrap up the war, is almost perfect and it seems like they focused almost entirely on making that plot work for it because Mm -hmm. i think the timing of everything works the fact that they got damar like damar and uh, kira being on uh, cardassia at that point makes sense there's a reason for them to be there they have to do something to act on it odo's sickness uh, resolves things very nicely and i believe believably like the, the way that they wrap that up is believable in terms of it's such a small thing that could that could in my mind end the war effectively like that it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a television contrivance and the battle scene is excellent like i think everything leading yeah, up I to the battle seems great. The, everything leading up to the finale is or leading up to the close of the war i think is really really strong and i think they did a really good job with all that stuff the war between the dominion and the federation alliance is now over 400 years ago, a victorious general spoke the following words at the end of another costly war. Today, the guns are silent. A great tragedy has ended. We have known the bitterness of defeat and the exultation of triumph. And from both, we have learned there can be no going back. We must move forward to preserve in peace what we've won in war. Yeah, they... um you know, they didn't rest on the, the laurels of their uh, stuff they had done to that point. They actually ratcheted things up quite a bit, which I was impressed with. They, the, they uh, <clears throat> like, tripled down on the Dominion and their uh, uh, awfulness by having them uh, first wipe out a whole city and then eventually be like, eh, fuck the Cardassians, let's just kill them all. I, thought, I, have, uh, I have a note. I thought they should have put more... Dominion characterization like that in the series. I thought you should have seen more of what sure, they were yeah. willing to do at that point to get the to yeah, get th- across to what their like ethos is, their ideology. Yeah, they they do they do so much talking through the series about like yeah about their ethos and the ideology, and they don't you don't really see them do that much. Uh, you only kind of see the Jem Hadar pop in and fuck people up from from time to time, but you never really get a uh, a sense of of the Dominions how iron fisted the dominion yeah. is there's just that one episode um, i think you watched it where bashir finds the planet of people that have been infected by the dominion as punishment yes. they give them the, yeah. the uh, terminal disease yeah yeah even that though is like you know there's there's a level of removal from that that's they're not different there than, yeah they're not present for yeah it. yeah that's different than the the main leader actively giving actively giving the order to destroy two million people and then actually actually doing it yep um I was really, I was shocked. I wasn't, was I, sh- I guess I was kind of shocked that DeMar died. Mm-hmm. I, I was more shocked <laughs> that he went out so nonchalantly. Yeah, yeah. Like he just, he kind of got the, he didn't get mud monstered, but he kind of got the Tasha Yard death where he just ended up a casualty of the war and not really, didn't really bring a lot of attention to it. Yeah, he unfortunately went into the room first and paid the price right. for doing that, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you did you um, like Demar's? Did, did you mind that? A lot of people have a problem thinking that he needs a better death than that. But I kind of agree. I, I think he served his purpose, and it's intentional yeah. because he doesn't even get a final line beyond keep. He says keep and then dies. 
Yeah, I liked it. I, you know, I don't think I really get tired of the uh, deathbed monologue um, that they tend to do in move in movies and TV shows like this, where you where a character dies and it's like, well, they're they're on their way to death, but they've still got time to to have three pages of dialogue, uh, like in the like in the Matrix when Trinity dies. And she just like talks for ten minutes while she's got like a spike through her chest. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get, I don't like that stuff. I think it's it's overdone. So to have him serve his purpose and then die fairly routinely, I actually thought was fairly effective because essentially the story about Cardassia is not Demar's story; it's Garrick's story. Mm-hmm. And Garrick, uh, in his uh, Demar's death, I think is more impactful to Garrick um than it is to the rest of the to the rest of what's going on so i think i think it worked i think it i think it worked pretty well and it also built him up uh very batman-y like where damar is is a symbol of the rebellion more than he matters outside of that so he he still functions as a martyr the you know martyrs dying is what serves them as a symbol for continuing whatever fight they're on and things like that but yeah it's it's he's um He's he's still I think thematically he's still of the old Cardassia in a lot of ways like he adapted to this new lifestyle but he's still the old Cardassia that Garrick makes the point no longer exists after mm-hmm. what the Dominion have done and what the Cardassians have done mm-hmm. so I like I I think that even through the entire final arc the Cardassian story is probably the pinnacle of what they did over the course of those ten episodes yeah where yeah. flipping it from ally of the dominion uh, in order to protect themselves into a sort of mirror version of the bajorans and reenacting uh, what they put the bajorans through and then sort of realizing that they didn't want to be under the yoke of the dominion anymore the dominion basically wiping out millions off the planet and uh, the fleet rebelling in the middle of the battle which turns the tide i i think that's all really good and a really good parable for their species throughout the entire uh, storyline of what the whole series has been talking about with the Cardassians. I think it's it's clean, effective, and impactful, and obviously has like huge ramifications if a series were to continue after this series. Like another Star Trek show came out that took up the mantle at this point. Cardassia is in a totally different position than anything else. Yeah, I think a nice symbolic way to to wrap that up with Damar's death. Maybe this does happen, and uh, I wasn't sure because the action happens so quickly when he gets shot. I actually wasn't even sure it was him until he fell fell down. Um, would be if if he actively stepped in front of Kira to save her from being shot mm-hmm. or something like that. You know where he's. You know you've now got the Cardassians who used to rule the Bajorans putting his life on the line to save a, a Bajoran who was one. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that would that would have been a nice you know single single scene wrap up of that story. But yeah, I think <clears throat> I think coming out of those final ten episodes, the the. Cardassian story is the most interesting. I think they they pretty much nailed it as far as uh pulling it off um except for, you know, Ducat, but yeah. <laughs> he's not really a Cardassian at this point, I would argue. Yeah, but he should have been. You know, yeah, yeah. I I have a lot of thoughts we, on We're going to get we're going yeah, we'll, to get <laughs> the um and you the, I we mentioned the space battle in this one. I really like it. You know what they do? They 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 do the thing that I was always complaining about in prior space battles. There is, it is, the scene is not just about watching ships shoot each other. There is, right. there is stuff and narrative and story happening while the battle is going on. And I think that, mm-hmm. like in the scene, in the, uh, the fight scene where the original Defiant was destroyed, that only felt like it was there to see the ship shoot at each other 
all of them get blown up and then they have to retreat and that changes things. This yeah. is mm-hmm. this has the Cardassians uh, on Cardassia changing, the Dominion are plotting during the storyline, the fight itself has a kind of give and take to the battle that's going on mm-hmm. with the Cardassians rebelling and the uh, the the Romulans taking damage. You I, I think that battle does a really good job of even though you're mostly on the Defiant Two the entire time, you get a real sense that they're gonna lose that fight through that entire yeah. sequence, I think, which is really effective. Yeah. And uh I I saw someone said they uh <clears throat> excuse me, they um were using old footage mixed yes, in with new yes, footage. A and lot I caught of that, a couple yeah. it was the old the old footage didn't involve when the Jem'Hadar started suicide bombing the ships, was it? No, I, that, I, that's new, I think. They've done yeah. that before. They've suicide bombed, oh, they but have. we've never seen okay. that angle before, yeah. Because I, I was thinking, I was like, oh, man, that's that's pretty intense. Yeah, I don't know why they don't just do that all the time. Yeah, they do, well, that's um, how they blew up the Odyssey, and that's how they blew up the Klingon right. ships and the other battle. Yeah, so they, they, that's yeah. their thing, apparently. Yeah, so it was it was, it was was pretty intense to see that invol- like involved with everything else. So it wasn't just... The ships show up, and then they start shooting, and some of them get shot, and some of them don't get shot. It's like there was a secondary gear to the battle where the Jem'Hadar starts smashing their ships into everybody. Yeah, the desperation. Some we, the, Both sides have to win at this point. It all comes down to right. this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I thought I thought it was great. They, they definitely handled it more like Return of the Jedi, sort of, where they have the space battle going, but then they have the ground-level stuff that's moving the story you know more character based and thematic and stuff like that yeah i thought much it was, more I thought interesting it was great. to me much the, the, the character stuff is what the glue that holds the fight scene together because i don't care about Definitely. cgi ships shooting each other yeah oh yeah absolutely and yeah. i mean that's how it should be honestly it's um unless you've got unless your character work is happening between the ships that are fighting each other it's using the using the battle as a backdrop sort of framing device for your other character work is is really the way that those things should should go. And w- the, the, why uh, it works in Return of the Jedi, it's why it works here, it's why it works in The Force Awakens. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's a pretty pretty tried and true method. And I think that, like, going back to this being a good DS9 finale, what I thought was really kind of neat was before the battle starts, you have that scene on the bridge of the Defiance where Worf and Ezra are talking to each other side by side with, Sisk, uh, with O'Brien and Bashir are talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And... I thought that was like such a nice little symbolic idea of what DS9 is because they're talking about technobabble stuff because they're getting ready for the fight. They're getting the Defiant prepared. So to talk about like phaser banks and like energy coils and all this stuff. But in, in between that dialogue, they added the DS9 version of what this show is where they add all this interpersonal stuff that's going on. And so the characters are talking about like O'Brien doesn't want to tell Bashir that he's leaving. Uh, mm-hmm. Worf has that funny joke about he's going to kill Bashir, even though he approves of the dating and everything like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I, it just really struck me as like TNG's version of that is only the techno babble getting ready. And DS9, the evolution of DS9 from what TNG was, is the combination of those two things working pretty well together. Yeah, they uh, TNG does that, would do that stuff from time to time, but it was very short and very truncated. Um and and didn't really usually work a button as, on a scene yeah it's usually yes, like the end yeah. of a scene is is a little character interpersonal sentence or two yeah like even the times where they're playing poker and shit it's usually they're not ta- they're talking about something else talking it's not about really, work <laughs> yeah it's not really an interpersonal thing it is like for a moment and then it's like so what do you think's wrong with the captain it's right like, well yeah there's yeah. a lot of things happening in Romulus you know that kind of stuff um yeah I thought that worked nicely. I thought there might have been a bit too much of that stuff at the beginning, and I know that they're doing the everybody's we gotta check in with everybody before we all head out to battle thing um but the first maybe twenty minutes or so felt 
like it was a lot of, uh, you know, let's let's have these characters chat with each other for a while, which, you know, it's the final episode. I guess you got to do that. But yeah, I, I just I kind of miss uh, like we've talked so much about how I think that the show got away from that kind of stuff. But I like little scenes like when Worf came in in season four, him and Odo's antagonism towards each other was like my favorite part of those two yeah, together. Yeah. And here at the end of the series, it's just nice to have them have a scene like where Odo respectfully asks if he can, if he can walk with Worf to the defiant to get on mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. just it's like i think i feel like they just didn't have scenes like that between those characters anymore where it's just these brief interludes where you get a little bit of insight where Worf is concerned for kira but he's not going to say anything to odo and odo is also stone-faced in a way that Worf is so they they have this very like stifled professional conversation on the way to the mm. defiance and i think it's good well yeah you know i i didn't find myself getting really emotional as it was wrapping up except for and I don't know if this is due to the events of the past couple of weeks but the the scene that kind of made me a little teary-eyed was the scene with Quark and Odo <laughs> where they and say goodbye I, yeah, yeah and yeah. part of it I realized was this dynamic was so strong in the early parts of the show and then eventually they just kind of stopped doing it because they had other stuff to do and there wasn't really enough time for like these Quark and Odo uh, headbutting sessions. So when they when they finally when they pulled back and did one more of those, I was like, oh, that's you know, that was one of the best parts of the show. At least they remembered it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. I, the uh, there's a couple scenes that get me a little bit uh, misty is that one's very good. And I also really like the uh, when Odo cures the founder he has a scene with kira afterwards where he then mm. explains what he has like why the agreement was made between yeah. the two of them i thought that was great yeah, yeah. that was that single-handedly came close to redeeming the odo and kira thing for me mm. um i want to because... focus on this do, do we want to talk about this now i i pretty much talked about sure. all the battle stuff i think it will probably have a little bit so we, we can talk about odo and kira i guess at this point yeah um yeah that sort of redeemed their relationship for me because because it ended in the only way I think it could have ended that would have been satisfying would be, uh, you know, with Odo, you kind of have two options for where his character goes, because at the beginning of the series, he's someone who who doesn't have a home, essentially. So you either have to have him find a new home and be his own person or have to, or you have to return him to his people uh, changed in some way. And they managed to do both where he finds a new home with Kira but ultimately chooses to give that up in order for going in order to go back to his people and I thought I just a lot of a lot of times that sort of sentiment is kind of hollow but um you know the I have to go back to my home planet now my people need you know that <laughs> yeah, stuff can yeah, come yeah. off kind of silly but I thought it was really well done and I mean he has this he he knows his people are dying he's got that he can cure them all himself of of course, he makes the decision to go back. You know, yeah. I thought I thought it was great, and it's also written into that was conditional on the war ending. Is the like exactly the, yeah. the female founder is only going to end the war if he goes back and does that and fixes the rest of them because she in the scene prior to that was talking about that how uh, curing the link is like the main focus of what should be done and she's also talked about how in previous episodes Odo getting back to the link is the only thing that she considers important about this whole expedition. Mm-hmm. So. I think that the Odo, I think Odo and Kira's wrap up there works really well. The 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 scene where he admits to Kira what he's done and why he has to go back makes sense. Odo going back makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. That he can't, 
fully like he has to go back as sort of a uh, sort of a federation ambassador in some sense in the same way that Worf becomes an ambassador mm-hmm. he he mm-hmm. takes this federation point of view and exports it to another race that doesn't share that point of view i think that yeah. like a lot i i think if i have anything negative to say about some of the character wrap ups they do i think odo's odo's is a good example of it where there's a slight bit of it works on an emotional, visceral level, but when I think about it, I'm not sure it 100% makes logical story sense that he does it. And mm. my problem here is that Odo has spent two seasons talking about how Kira is the most important thing in his life, basically. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you get a good enough reason why he goes back. I, I, I think there's a strong reason for why <sighs> he goes back, which is he makes this deal with the devil, kind of, and he has to go back. However... Once he's cured them, I'm not sure there's a good reason why he has to stay with them at all. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, you know, I think I I think it's it, it's. I, I think mean, they could have fixed it with. Sorry, but I think they could have fixed it with if if in the the past four episodes or something they started peppering this point home. They do it a little bit where Odo is disgusted by Section Thirty One trying to poison the founders. Like if mm-hmm. they. If they had set up this kind of going back thing and that he can't leave, I, w- I would have bought it more. But the the problem with the, the show as being so episodic is that when the finale kicks off, you get all this new information about people are all going to be in different places at the end that they haven't really hinted towards at all yeah, prior to yeah. that. And so it feels very abrupt when he goes. And I just, for how much he loves Kira, and because the fact that once the founders link with each other, they know everything, he doesn't need to teach them anything. He just has to go and link with them, and then he can leave again, and they'll remember everything. If Yeah. Even if they stuck in some line about he wants to stay behind to make sure that it sticks, maybe I would buy that. I just feel that they don't really go far enough to explain it in terms of why I, he's leaving Kira. I, I don't think that he needs that much extra explanation, though, because his... He he's never stopped caring about his people, and never really stopped caring about being a part of of the the Great Link or whatever. Yep, he's always so, wanted to go back. Yeah, so I I mean, have, giving him the the opportunity to go back and and do what he's always wanted to do, I think I think that's enough for me to supersede the Kira stuff. I mean, Kira's cool, but you know. They've only been dating for a little while. That yeah, is. I mean, <laughs> he's not really attached, you know. Yeah, no, but yeah. I, I think, I think it's. Uh, this is kind of sounds weird to say, but the relationship with Kira is kind of a byproduct of what uh, of his actual journey, right? Because his actual journey was was to find his people and and be welcomed and rejoin his people, and he's been pushed away from that at every turn up until this point and now he has the opportunity to do that i totally buy that he would do that yeah i i because i mean ultimately he's still a he's still a changeling and person to person love is is still kind of a weird construct for a changeling yes like yeah. you know the, the the great link is is going to be more uh more of a pull for him i think yeah i i it's one of those things, like, I, I totally understand why he ends up at that point, and I believe that he would make that decision. I mm. think there's just, in a if, in a more modern series where the writing was doing that kind of uh, understanding, there, it would just be, you'd get a little bit of a hint of Odo's personality leading into his decision to do that in episodes prior to it, I think, and it, it just feels rather abrupt to me 
almost in the sense like I kind of would have expected some line of him like you could come stay with me and she's like I can't stay on a planet full of goo creatures like I have to stay here <laughs> and he's like oh that's true and then they would go their separate ways it's just it's a um I think for how complicated that relationship was and if you want to say that Odo looking for a new family was him finding Kira and he 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 cherished the relationship with her more because it was finally a place that he felt he belonged more than actual mm-hmm. love or something like that mm-hmm. I'd even go that far I just feel that it's such a dense layered relationship and with such dense motivations on Odo's part, it's tough to only have it in the finale for a couple scenes that you have to explain Mm. what he's doing over the course of those couple scenes. Yeah, I still maintain that I I wish that they hadn't gotten them together until maybe the last episode or at least I I think... This still works for me, even if they're not in a relationship. If they're just yeah, super good friends, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like if you if you were really leaning heavy into oh these two might get together, and then at the end, like they they you feel like they've gotten to the point where they they have con- admitted their feelings for each other, just about to become Odo's, official. Yeah, and you get yeah, the bad news. Yeah, and then Odo's like, I really need to do this. That, yeah. I think that still works, and it might ar- arguably might even work better. Yeah, yeah. Because that would be because because of the reasons that you're saying, where it's like, he's not shattering the relationship at that point. He's he's cutting it off before it happens. Right. Yeah. He's yeah. making he's making a. Uh, I mean, not that he's not making a choice, but he's he's given two options of of where to belong. He picks the the. Uh, well, I guess he still has the. It's it still works either way. Yeah. Yeah. I um. And Odo's another good example. I, I think that his story and his wrap up is really good, and the sort of splintering of this, like it's, it's just such a stark contrast to how this show ends and how TNG ended. Like mm. the the cast is shattered apart at this point. Like no one yeah. is around anymore. It's it's really just Bashir and uh, Dax who are left on DS9 at that point. Of course, of course, Kira. Kira, I suppose. But most yeah. of them, Worf becomes an ambassador. He goes to Kronos. Uh, O'Brien goes back home. You like that I one thought, for Worf? Yeah, I thought the Klingon. I mean, it's again, it's 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 they understood Worf on this show so much better than they did on TNG, and they managed to end his story in the perfect place because he's he's a character who has always who has been, always been an outcast or from from the Klingon society and always wanted to be part of it. And they set they first wrap it up by having him be the person who shatters the old Klingon foundation and sets sets the course for the future and then they really put the little bow on it by having him sent back to Kronos as an ambassador which is just it's like as far as Worf goes is there anything else in the world he could have wanted no it's his best case that, scenario yeah. and he's and it's and it's an ambassador to the the ruling of uh, Martok who is is setting the course for this new thing it's just it's a it's a perfect place to end and it's not like overly a, it's not like an overly sappy place to end him it's not like a a Christmas ending where Santa pulls the one toy that he wanted out of the bag. It's like, it's like a, it's a, it's an understated but perfect ending for his, for his. He's thing. still doing a job. It's not like he's yeah. like just personally invited to become Martok's roommate or something. Yeah, he's he's going back with a job and a purpose. It's the, it's the perfect uh, encapsulation of his character because he is a Starfleet officer who is an ambassador to the Klingon Empire. So he's he's got both worlds acting in harmony instead of and no longer has to spend his his life fighting between these two sides. Right. Yeah, I mean one one of the larger themes of the series has been even from the get-go about how this is a 
uh, disparate group of people or who are all basically outcasts in one way mm. or another. It's why Worf fit in so well when he came in in the fourth season mm. because he is also an outsider. And most of these characters are outsiders or have some kind of perspective that puts them on the outside of whatever their culture is, be it Garrick or uh, uh, Garrick Worf or Odo or Kira even, who's in a sort of a weird position. And so it, it, it thematically fits that the characters all splinter apart at the end and that they go their own way and, you know, it's led into by the... I, I like the toast that Cisco gives to them on the holodeck in Vic's Lounge where it says, like, this may be the last time we see each other, but we'll always have a part of something on Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a... It's it's fitting that they all had to go back. And I think they all go back to pretty successful degrees. There's no one that I'm really like, oh, what a terrible decision that that's what's going to go on there. Um, well... Well, except for one, I, I can name one. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that one. We're not talking about him yet. But even then, I think I I can defend Cisco's position. I think at the end, um, I can't really defend how it gets there. But we can talk about Cisco in a minute. But I think like O'Brien going home makes a lot of sense to me. Being mm-hmm. the grumpy Gus, he gets to go home with his family. Uh, Garrick, which he's which he loves, which is just so, he's, what was he? I just expected in the. Uh, the the uh, Vic's lounge scene where the, him and Bashir are talking to each other at the bar. It's just like, hey, yeah, you want to go out back? And it's smash cuts to them just having like a, a the nastiest sexual ex- <laughs> encounter in the bathroom of Z- uh, Vic's lounge or something. But saying goodbye to them, saying goodbye to uh, Garrick has a very good farewell. His final scene where he talks to Bashir is really fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that I also, they, they wrapped it up really well for all those characters to go back to something that has changed fundamentally, but they're still going back to it. Yeah, I think Garrick is the uh, uh, the uh, what's the what's the what's is it basketball that has the seventh player award or is that hockey? Uh, six man is uh, basketball. six man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Garrick is the six man in this episode where he he is the dark horse fantastic uh, character arc episode. Like his both of his scenes are great. That one with Bashir, and I also really like the one. Um, where uh, after Demar dies, he's like, "My Cardassia is gone. There's nothing left." And then Kira says, uh, "Make a new Cardassia." It, yeah, it's up to you to fight for a new one. And he goes, "Nope, it's all revenge." <laughs> that works. <laughs> that was really good. I like that. <laughs> yeah, because he's and and they they further expound on that in his scene with Bashir, where he talks about like. Everything has changed here. Like Garrick is angry at the end of the mm. series in a way that a lot of the other characters aren't. But he's it's a subtle angry, I think, but he's still very angry. And just he has a great final moment of calling out like he fir- he just basically just shatters the Bashir character and says, listen, moron, like <laughs> what, what, what you think about this is not the way that this is actually going to work. So we'll leave on good terms and call it a day, but I'm probably not going to ever see you again. This is not the, yeah. pie, in the, the pie in the sky version of what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was great. Um, Good anger uh, from Andy Robinson too, which you don't yeah. you like raw anger from Garrick, which you don't usually see because he usually hides it so well. Yeah, they man, what a good character and what a great actor. Uh, he he's every episode that he's in, he is the backbone of those episodes. He's just he does he has such a handle on that character that you can put him in any situation and he sells it. it it's really he's really great. The um. I, I, the other thing to talk about, what do you think of the uh, the montages saying goodbye to everybody? I find yeah, them strange. 
I found yeah. it very strange. I my favorite one was was Worf's because he picked some weird ass things to remember in the moment. He picked all season seven for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, it's because contractually we can't have him think about his dead wife. Yeah, he can't think about Jadzia, which is the problem. But I was the thing that's funny to me about them is that their flashbacks seems like they were only limited to one arc. Like Odo's is only about yeah. Kira. You don't see anything that's not Kira related. And uh, Worf is, as you're saying, they can't show Jadzia, so they show Ezri in every single one of his flashbacks. Bashir and O'Brien, I thought, was the best one because it went all, all the way back to the first season of showing those two together, which I think works. Right, but yeah. It, it just, they, it they, also sh- they also show when he shows up on the on Deep Space Nine for the first time, I think, right? When he walks he walks into uh Cisco's office. Uh who does? Worf. Oh yes, Worf does, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I thought uh oh that's what you I thought I'm sorry. I thought you meant there was a a, a memory featuring Worf and O'Brien. Now you know Worf and O'Brien, you're talking about them separately. Yes, I'm talking about O'Brien yes, and okay. Bashir are together in their memories. Because yes, their yeah, friendship yeah. is the focus, so they show but that goes back all the way to the first season, so they have a lot of clips to show for that flashback. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, you know, that's, I was expecting, I was hoping they weren't going to do that stuff, but I thought they did, uh, they kept it truncated enough that it didn't bother me too much. Cause mm-hmm. it's, you know, the, it, it felt a little bit more organic than that stuff usually does where it's like they, they're actively, they're on their way out. They're having a, a, a memory of, of various good times or whatever Um, (laughs) o'brien does that thing where he holds something very close to his eyeball and looks at it and remembers yeah (laughs) yeah i'm still i'm still bummed that the alamo stuff never really paid off that's the alamo thing they found the missing guy that they've been looking for for two seasons he was on the rug yeah whatever (laughs) uh and i'm also mad that they never showed what the breen looked like because they Mm -hmm. make such a point even in the last episode of mentioning it However, I did like the as much as I hated the opening scene of the episode with Bashir and Ezri in bed, I did like the end where he says, "No, we can't do the Alamo, but we can do Sparta, which is basically the Alamo, but it's it's Greek, Greek style. Yeah, it's yeah. Greek, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I like that. I, that that back and forth with them about about the holodeck thing was nice. I like that. Yeah, the Ez- Ezri and uh, Bashir thing is kind of one of those like that's a storyline that i don't think you need to resolve that way really i didn't i didn't need them to get together it felt like they had to do something to give them some kind of closure but if anything i think there is a point where a series tries too hard to wrap everything up and i think maybe some of the cases are here i think that a lot of the the stuff works but some some things don't work and i don't know if that's a good segue where we can go now i'm i'm kind of appalled that Jake and Ben Sisko don't have a final scene together. Yeah, they don't, do they? No, that he doesn't say you goodbye get, to him. Yeah, you get some flashback stuff, but yeah, you don't you don't really have they uh he doesn't say goodbye to they only have that scene where he comes in and he's like, How's Cassidy's morning sickness? And he's like, It's fine. Yes. He said, Get the bucket, Jake. And then that yeah. that's the end of their relationship. <laughs> that's all you're good for. Get the bucket, Jake. <laughs> yeah, it's uh I think that probably ties in fairly well to okay actually you know what they should have they should have had uh they should have had jake have the vision instead of cassidy Cassidy. yeah i i mean you know like doesn't that feel like it would be a little bit more appropriate they're they're in a tough spot there i don't know i think they made a mistake by having cassidy get pregnant 
I don't. Yeah. I don't know what that does except make it more difficult to not say goodbye to her and not Jake. Like I, ideally, you'd want the both, but I, I just feel that the series started with Jake and yes. Jake growing into a man and moving. Out, like he literally moves out in the middle of the series and gets his own place and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But they've had such a tight relationship that to not say goodbye feels very counter to everything Cisco was as a father throughout the mm. entire series. So it's strange to me that he only says it to Cassidy. However, he has to say goodbye to Cassidy because she's pregnant, so he can't just leave her there. And the one bit of trivia for you is this was originally designed where Cisco's going with the prophets was going to be permanent, and there was no doubt that he was not coming back to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Avery Brooks pushed back against that idea because he didn't like the idea of a black man abandoning his family and child in the series. Fair. So they rewrote it to this vague thing, which I think actually works because of the way that the prophets see time. But he's like, I could come back in a year. I could be back yesterday. You're not going to know yeah. when this is going to happen. I think it's clean and it works. But I don't, I don't, I, I think that having to do that left them in kind of a weird spot where Cisco's fate ultimately feels undecided in some way mm. that's not really satisfying. It's like you're not sure why he's there. Should we start at the beginning with Cisco before we get to where he ends up, I guess? Sure, sure. So why why didn't you like the uh, profit stuff? Uh, well, just to kind of tag on what you were saying about the the Jake and not having a scene with Cisco, um, they I feel like they could have put more into the scene that they do have because you don't I don't think especially given the ambiguity of his fate I don't think you necessarily need a goodbye scene, but if they had leaned into that scene at the beginning and had some sort of father son moment where uh Cisco is is telling Jake about you know one day you're going to be a dad and blah blah you know that kind of shit uh something that is 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 more of a final scene the I'm proud the of two. you speech from a father yeah. yeah yeah something like that 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 doesn't feel explicitly like a goodbye until you realize what happens later yeah um but yeah i uh i really really did not like what they did with him because <laughs> first of all i i'll just before you go i like the idea that he is with the prophets at the end of the series i, I do not i hate okay it. okay so that, that's yeah. our probably our point of contention everything getting to that point i do not like but i like him being with the prophets yeah i don't like it because i think for the reasons that you're saying about the scene with jake and and with jake and his dad because for me the show wasn't about the emissary and I understand, I understand that that's the setup at the big first episode and blah, 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 blah. But like, I, f- it, it feels to me that the emotional character movement has always been a more grounded personal thing. And to have him whisked away into, you know, the matrix, the Apple for, commercial for, universe. For, yeah. yeah. For, for no apparent reason other than the fact that they just, the prophets need him for something undefined. <laughs> that, that's their that's their mo. Actually, is everything yeah, is undefined. Just, I don't know. It's like he served his purpose on. If he served his purpose on regarding Bajor, let him go. That's what he's for. He's the emissary to Bajor. Yeah, he's not like the emissary that'll get them coffee. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and it's and the the execution of it, I thought, was beyond terrible. The uh to have him literally leave the party like he forgot that he left his car running outside or something. Yeah, yeah, and, and then, then he flies down to Bajor. Flies to the to the fire caves, which he knows where they are for some reason. 
Unless, I mean, is, is, is that public knowledge? Where it's the a fire big thing, caves I are? guess. Yeah, okay. that, yeah, yeah. Still, he goes to the fire caves, has a two-second fight with uh, Super Saiyan uh, Gul Dukat, <laughs> and then <laughs> that shoulder blocks him into the fire. And then why, why, on, why on earth do they not have Gul, if they're going to do this, why do they not have Gul Dukat come back to life as the Pa Wraith guy, kill uh, Kai Wynn, and then, like, Pa Wraith himself over to disrupt the party at Deep Space Nine? Mm-hmm. And then have Cisco final battle him on Deep Space Nine, you know. Where all of the conflict between these two people have been set, has been centered on for seven seasons. Yeah. Instead of just some fucking cave on Bajor. I mean, I get it. Okay, Bajor, fine, whatever. But like, come on, it's it's the 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 setting of the show is not Bajor. It's Deep Space Nine. The 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 contention between Cisco and Gul Dukat is over an office, right? Yeah. That, yeah. That's why they Guldicott hates him because he's got his office because he runs Deep Space Nine. He wants to get Deep Space Nine back. He doesn't give a shit about Bajor. He wants Deep Space Nine back. So send Guldicott. He's he's a he's magic now. He can do whatever he wants. Send him to Deep Space Nine. Have him bust through the wall at the party or whatever, and then have Cisco, um, you know, fulfill his destiny there. Where at the very least. You could have him like give a give a wink to Jake or something before he dives into the void or right. something. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. It's just, it's just the the execution was just so so bad. <laughs> I um and it looked terrible too. Yeah, it looks. It bad. wasn't even yeah. it wasn't even like it looked good. It's like they jump into this shitty looking CGI fire and then they do that thing where it's like okay. I know you're standing on the ground, but put your arms up and pretend you're falling, and then we'll just, you know, <laughs> flip the camera over, and it'll look like you're diving. It's no, man, come on. I it's just been that turn for Ducat and Win has just been awful from the get go. Like even awful. even the reintroduction here where he comes back and he's like, "Yeah, I can see again." So let's resume. <laughs> let's oh resume. my god, don't even, dude, don't even get me started on that. Where he just shows up and he's like, "I don't know, I guess." I guess the prophets decided I had done my penance. Like, come on, get the fuck out of here with that. <laughs> All the way down to... What chapter in the ghost emoji are you on? Did du- you get to the good part yet? Ducat and Win in the fire temple for the first half of the episode feels disturbingly to me like a 50-year-old couple that's gone to like a sex resort for yes. a vacation. <laughs> And it's it's really disgusting. It's like the second half of the Cialis commercial you don't see. <laughs> She's like disrobing, and he's like, "Oh yeah, baby, we're going yeah. to the fire." It's cave. like imagine like a Cialis commercial where it's like, "Oh, you come up behind your wife while she's sexily washing the dishes." Oh, you're both <laughs> sitting in tubs out in the field somewhere. Hard cut to like Guldicott and Kaiwin dancing among the fire caves, <laughs> drinking wine. It's really clumsy, and I think that for all the things that they did so well with wrapping up the war. The fact that they can't have a good final conversation between Ducat and Cisco about this, about what this mm. all means for their conflict between the two of them, outside of the vague nonsense of the power rates have this power and you're the emissary and I'm going to stop you by pretending my hand has some kind of force lightning coming out of it or something like that. It's um, it's fundamentally, they just they lost track of what Ducat meant earlier on right. in the season. They just didn't understand what his motivations would be. It's still astounding to me, even though we've watched all this now, 
It's still astounding to me that Ducat buys into the power of the power rates and not in a selfish way of this is a power that will get me what I want out of this right. situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think at the, at the end, you could kind of argue that that's where he ends up once he gets the power, but not even really because he's, he's all. It's still just mass destruction on a power rate scale. It's just yeah. destroy everything, which has never been. Ducat does not want to destroy everything. He wants to rule over everything. Yeah, and like <laughs> while while uh while while Ducat's in in a cave uh waiting for someone to read the right passage of a book or I don't know, being dead face down on the ground, whatever mm-hmm. he's doing. Uh Cardassia, the place that he's been uh fighting for in some capacity for seven seasons is literally being massacred by the Dominion. Yeah. And he doesn't even know what's happening. And I it's I think it's just I I never really was was on board with people saying that they completely railroaded him as a character until this episode. Like, oh, I, really? I think, this episode? Yeah. Well, it's, you think it took I, it took the culmination to show you how wrong it had been for so long? Yeah, I think you. I think they could have saved it. I think they could have saved it by either tying what they were doing into the story in what's, a more proper way. What's this for an idea? Something. I always, I, I, as much as I love the resolution of the war story. I'm always torn by this. What if Ducat gets the power of the power rates, right? And mm-hmm. he destroys the Dominion with it. I was just thinking that, yeah. And then at that point, he's like, now that I fucked them up, all of the Alpha Quadrant is mine. Like, you all have to bow to me. The emissary's role at that point is to stop that from happening. And he, and he does. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think you, you probably sacrifice your, some of your better points, like the... Uh uh, the war themes fade away at that point, unfortunately. Yeah, and the yeah. Odo Odo thing doesn't really work anymore at that point. Um, but I think I mean, that's the scale I, could, that Ducat needs. If he, if think, you don't do that, he needs to have something right. like that. Yeah, I think you could have done something like that, where he shows up after the war is over at everybody else's weakest point with that power. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So every the Dominion's been crushed. They're they're done. Uh, Starfleet's lost like fifteen hundred ships or whatever. Yeah, big numbers uh, Klingons, in this episode. Big numbers of death. Yeah, yeah. The Klingons have lost a bunch of ships. Everybody's they they won, but as as uh, Ross and Cisco say, you know, I'm I'm not going to celebrate over the bodies of all these people who have been killed. Everybody's like licking their wounds to an extent, and then uh, Super Shredder uh, Cot <laughs> shows up and is like, "You guys are all at your weakest points." It's now time for me with the power of the pirates to, to, yeah, take over the Alpha Quadrant, and then uh, I don't know. Cisco kicks him in the nuts or something. <laughs> it just the problem. His Ducat's thematic story doesn't work in the real life geopolitics that the show did well. There's no way to introduce a destroyer of worlds character and have it feel interesting at that point it's like we've already resolved all these stories in a much more successful and interesting way and then just bringing ducat in as like the icing on the cake it just feels terrible and that's that's kind of why that's kind of why i think you have to do it like uh kind of like super shredder or like when at the end of ghostbusters 2 when ray gets possessed by vigo and they're like would somebody just hose him and get him out of the way please right you know that kind of thing so it's like you have i think this is where they could have uh uh done what i wish they would do where you have Gul Dukat show back up on Deep Space Nine, all roided out on 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 power or whatever, and he's go, doing his bad guy monologue to Cisco, 
while Worf casually strolls up and just chops his fucking head off. <laughs> the fa- I that's that's I, the fact that Worf doesn't get to kill Dukat really bothers me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, I guess the the problem is I I kind of see the resolution of Dukat and Cisco as I can see how you would logically get to this point. I don't think the series ever really expanded on why they would get to this point between the two of right. them, and mm-hmm. so. Cisco and Ducat is the Christ and Antichrist figure makes a lot of sense to me. And if that's the case with where you're going, Worf does not fit into killing Ducat in that in that way. Like it sure, only feels sure. that the emissary can do what he does. Yeah. The problem is if that- they. Sorry, I was just saying if they if they decide to go this way where he becomes the 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 anti emissary, then yes, it should be him and Cisco. But if they had not gone that way and just left him as regular Ducat, I yeah. think I, I think Worf killing him would have been great. Yes, I, I'd agree with that. I, I just think that the um they never the even even the final power scene of what Ducat is doing fits completely into this idea that the prophets are just so vague no one has any idea what the prophets are doing about anything. Yeah. Like nothing means anything with the prophet religion or the prophet beings. And you get to this point where if you don't know what these prophets are all about and what the power rates by extension are all about, it's just this generic I'm gonna destroy things stop me from doing it oh shit i shouldn't have been standing so next to this cliff uh, mm-hmm. now their story is resolved and here we go from there or the the book is the key bit of power it's like it, it even ties into to win where this story was so awful that it just completely destroyed both of those characters win was on shakier yeah. ground prior to it but win at the end is just like oh i made a mistake uh emissary yeah. destroy the book <laughs> like that was a ba- bad thing i did there and then she dies it's like what a, what a terrible characterization role for her yeah her her purpose ultimately is in, in that final storyline is just to be the person who releases the parades she doesn't have any really agency over anything it's just she's the key for ducat he needs her and they yeah. don't even play that up that ducat is um, just using her. I don't think they really play that angle up all that much. It makes it seem like he legitimately wants her to be there with him. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's strange. Waste, like- of, waste of a character, waste of time. Yeah, this is pretty silly. Um, I, I wish that... <laughs> I almost I almost wish that he had uh, uh, gotten his power and then burst into the party on Deep Space Nine. And then Vic was like, hey, Pally. Why don't you come up here and sing a song? Maybe that'll make you feel better. And then he was like, "I, no one's ever asked me to do that before. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm going like to sing Fever. If I'm going to sing yeah. Fever. Uh, this is everyone's, everyone's familiar. It's an old standard. <laughs> you know, it's that one song people sing when they're trying to be sexy for some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I would like to sing. I would like to sing. My Way by Frank Sinatra. You know, the the song that everybody who's never done anything their way seems to love. Hit it, boys. Two, three, four. Um, yeah, I, 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 think, I think we can just close kind of before we go to final thoughts with uh, what, how, you, how you think that this works as a finale for the series. And uh, you sound like you're fairly positive except for the Cisco thing. But would you say that... Um, Really, just how you think that it works as kind of a a closeout for this group, because I I think it's really effective and affecting. Uh, and mm. to kickstart your answer, do you find this or TNG's uh, finale to be more impactful? I guess. Um. Uh, probably this one. 
Mm. But I don't know if it's a fair comparison to make because they are so different. So different. Show show. So different. Yeah. 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 Like I think, I think uh, TNG's finale is very impactful for those characters, and I think that Deep Space Nine's is very impactful for these characters. Um, yeah, I think it's a difficult comparison to make. Yeah, I mean TNG's is such a clean example of a finale like it just it's kind of like clockwork and uh, mm-hmm. and how well I, it works i i would say if if i were to take points away from tng's finale and maybe this is also unfair to compare them because they are so different uh tng's finale is ultimately about picard and picard alone yep Whereas Deep Space Nine does a very good job of making sure that everybody has a role and everybody has an end to their story. Yeah. Um, where all the stories, future future or past that you see in, in TNG are all sort of like, oh, I guess that's what they're doing in the future. You know, it's not it's not like a, a an end to a story and it's it only services the Picard plot. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas in Deep Space Nine, everybody's doing something that impacts the plot in its own way and is also uh given their own kind of story wrap up pr- fairly nicely with very few exceptions am i uh am i kind of along those lines am i fair to criticize i think that i think that they had a lot of story to wrap up in this and i think that unfortunately the profit storyline takes up a great deal of that runtime uh you know when i was saying that i saw that there was a half hour left and i was like oh i'm looking forward to, uh, to a half hour of the characters wrapping up their stories with each other and saying goodbye and everything like that i'm I'm always a little bit disappointed, but I don't know if it's fair to hold it against the show because I don't know if the narrative supports it. But I, I'm always kind of a little shocked that no one, there's no scene in this where the crew react to what Cisco has done. You know yes. what I mean? Like they, yeah. it, it's surprising that no one comments on Cisco becoming a god, basically, and is like, well, <laughs> well nobody knows just, that he did it. Do they? Do he they just not, disappeared. Though? Well, but Cassidy no, knows, ju- doesn't she? Like she could tell them. I, I mean. She she doesn't. Ex- I think she says like ah he's got he'll be he'll be back or something. I don't think she even she really knows exactly what's going on. Okay, but is it still you you do you think that the scenes are missing where they kind of talk about things like that? Like I I like the character interactions that they do have. However, at the same time, it feels rushed in the sense that I would anticipate that like there's so many more character interactions you could have. Like they mm. hit the key points of Quark and Odo, Bashir and Ezri, Worf and Ezri. Uh, but I, I feel like there's just even minor scenes where, like, you know, just characters talking to each other before it wraps up. I, I really wanted that, and I know the series moved away from that over the course of the past couple seasons, but I still feel like they just didn't have the time to do the stuff that I considered to be really important at that point, which is if these guys are all splintering and going their own ways, to have final scenes where it doesn't need to be mushy or, like, you know, sappy or anything like that, but just in-character conversations between everybody before they take off. Yeah, I... uh I felt like they spent a, a little bit too much time at the very end with Kira kind of walking around. Talking to Quark, um, yeah. Yeah. I guess like that, that shows the fine. new state of affairs, sure. which is things haven't really changed. It's just new faces. <laughs> you know you know what I would have really liked, I think, would have been a, a great final button on Bashir's story, is if Bashir, his last scene was him welcoming a new doctor or a new like chief engineer 
Yeah, chief engineer or or someone who was in the in the mindset and state of mind that he was when he got onto the station, mm, like yeah. a little bit more wide eyed and a little bit more like right out of school or something like that, looking to do frontier medicine. And then you know, so so you can kind of have him reflect against this what he used to be and where he is now, that kind of thing. I think that would be kind of nice. One thing, one thing I noticed. I was really glad we rewatched Emissary because we talked in Emissary on the rewatch podcast about how the prophets had saved Cisco. Even though it wasn't really brought up that much during the series, and Cisco touches directly on that in his farewell mm-hmm. thing, which is why he can't uh, leave the prophets to go back with Cassie or anything like that. But so yeah. is the 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 prophecy that he got in the first episode of the of the final ten, mm-hmm. the sorrow is, he's going to know. Yeah, is that brought to fruition by the wedding because the wedding? makes kai win jealous of him and that sends her down the path that she so it's like the idea that if he doesn't get married she never gets to the jealousy point so she doesn't turn to the pirates and is that the idea or is it just not that specific i think it's even less than that I, my understanding of it is that the prophets are speaking the prophet the problem with that i think in the way that they wrote it is that the prophets are speaking to um strongly about what he's going to feel the prophets know that they're going to take him away at the end of the series so Mm -hmm. my interpretation of it is they're saying don't get too close to people at this point because we're only going to rip you away from them at the end yeah man i hate it i really don't like it i don't think it works i think that he i think that their premonition is too drastic sounding for what they eventually did with it and it, it like what they say to him. I don't think deserves a warning about the level of like level of intensity that they give him. That kind of a warning it makes it sound like everyone is going to die and he's going to be the only one left. But yeah. I think they just didn't think it through, and it's one of those things they thought it was a great way to end an episode and move it into the next episode, and they weren't mm-hmm. really sure what that meant at the end of the series. Do you remember what happens in the vision he has at the beginning of the episode? Because I I was going to say that I, maybe if they had dropped in one or two visions along the way in the episode to kind of foreshadow what was going to happen in this Mm -hmm. that wouldn't have felt as as abrupt but they do the one vision at the beginning where he talks to his mother and i don't remember what she says to him just i think it's just a reminder about the sorrow and she 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 says you have to continue walking the path really just reminding you that this premonition exists yeah i don't like that I, I I wish it was something a little bit more uh, urgent from well, them. I, I just think with a premonition like that, where you say you're going to have to be forced to take a difficult choice, Cisco never really grapples with a difficult choice. You know, he right. he does what right. he has to do. So the premonition of you're going to be faced with a, a great fork in the road where you're really going to have to think long and hard about what the right thing to do is Cisco has no such problem with that. So it's really not like he had a difficult decision to make. He did the yeah. right thing and he knew he was going he, to do that right from the beginning. He doesn't even have a moment, like, is from what I remember anyway, where he leaves the party, where he, like, stops and turns back and looks at everybody on the ship. You know, yep. he doesn't even have that thing where he's, like, you know, looks and sees everybody arm in arm watching Vic having a good time. And then he's like, well, okay, I, gotta I can't go be a part of thing. it. Yeah. Yeah. He just, he just leaves. Yeah. He just- <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. Would you, um, yeah, well, I, I guess we're done talking about the series. I've, I've made all the points that I want. Or the, the I did. 
I did also want to mention I like that Odo got the Terminator 2 goodbye where he slowly gets lowered into the into <laughs> waving the, goodbye <laughs> the molten lava giving the thumbs up he wears his tuxedo I like that final scene with him wearing his tuxedo and everything yeah, goes into it pretty good yeah, yeah. um yeah. I uh the one thing I would also like to say is I think that Kira is my favorite Star Trek character full stop oh interesting I I just think the her, relationship didn't kill her enough for you. You thought no, there. you know, because I thought the last couple episodes she's been in have been really great for her, and I think I'm glad. I'm also glad we went back and watched uh, Emissary again because it reminded me how much I like her, and uh, kind of put her arc in a little bit more perspective for me mm-hmm. uh, going into the end. And I just think she's a really interesting, really unique Star Trek character. Um who gets a really solid arc and has a really strong characterization and has acted really well. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of bummed that she never, she never showed up in anything else. Cause I really like her as a character. Yeah. I like where she ends too, but t- taking being in command of the Bajoran space station. The other, the other thing, uh, before we go, there's so much to talk about with this. I'm sure we'll have another video mm-hmm. where we kind of collapse on these things, but, uh, some of the reviews that are negative towards this episode, say that one of the big failures the show has is that it doesn't solve its central issue from the pilot, which is that Bajor is never admitted to the Federation in this episode. Mm. Did you notice that, or did, do you think that matters? Um, I didn't really think it mattered that much. Uh, I mean, maybe I lost track of or lost sight of what the central conflict was in the story. I, I, yeah. I don't know. It never... It seemed like things got bigger than that. It did. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And uh it's it's kind of one of those things where they they played with it a bunch and they never committed Bajor into Starfleet. They actually have that episode where they're objectively or like they expressly are like no. <laughs> right, yeah. We, we they should not be part of Starfleet. That's the the and premonition like, of the locusts when Cisco says don't don't fucking sign the contract. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I, I never I never felt like that was a super strong thread really going through the show. Do do you feel like that's no. It's not like every every season there's a new element of taking a step forward as far as getting Bajor into Starfleet. Well, I think it only though. highlights it for me because I'd agree with you. The writers seemed incredibly disinterested in Bajor at a certain point. But yeah. when when we went back to the Emissary pilot, what's stark about it is that Cisco's entire mission is is predicated on getting Bajor into the Federation. So yeah. if, you, if you go back and you look at the pilot, you kind of say like, well, I can understand him going off with the profits, but at the same time, it feels... Like it feels like he has completed his mission fully. If Bajor is accepted, it it doesn't mean anything narratively, really, beyond right, just like right. sort of saying this happened. But it does feel like the final bow on Cisco's arc is to say that he finished his final Starfleet mission and and, and has now ascended to something else. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's one of those things where I, I, like you said, I don't know if it really adds anything narratively. Like, I don't know if I would have. I don't. I was screaming for paperwork to be signed and be like, "What is exactly?" If they like had a scene where Admiral Ross was like talking to Cisco about how Bajor has now been, I I don't think that would have really added anything. And I mean, if they wanted to wrap that up, then they should have made Bajor more of a a thing in the last season or so because it's not. I could I could see Ross saying that in the Vic uh, scene, the lounge scene where they're all saying goodbye. Like if he just came over and said, "Like great news, Ben. Like 
congrats on completing your mission. Bajor is now going to join the Federation. And Cisco has And then the- Cisco's like, Bajor, mission. <laughs> fire. Oh, shit. <laughs> He's like, you really lit a fire under these Bajorans. He's like, fire. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to see that the Dominion caved finally. Fire. Cave. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. I, I don't, I, I don't hold it against the series. I think that it's um, when you compare it to its brother and sister series, all of those are kind of remarkable because they they do fulfill the cycle that way. Like Voyager gets home, uh, TNG mm-hmm. solves the trial of humanity. It comes to a conclusion about it, and sure. D- DS Nine kind of does. And I don't, I don't think it matters because I don't think the show cared that much about it. But it's just the final shot of Kira on the ship. We'll go out with that. I really love the final shot of this series. I love the fact that you are leaving the station behind yeah, as it goes. Yeah. And just the the void of space, I think, is really kind of impressive what they got there. But Kira, Kira's position at that point, the only weakness is I'm not entirely sure what the status of the station is, kind of. And I, I don't think it matters, right. but it's something I think about. Yeah, it does feel like it's just sort of Tuesday on Deep Space Nine now. Right. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't feel that... that that different or or like that much change has happened um yeah i also really liked that final shot i thought that was really nice um and you know i i could argue that with with cisco's fate so ambiguous ending ending the series with a shot of jake staring out the window i think works um since his since his since Cisco's story has not been does not have a completion really to it uh i think it makes sense to end on jake not really having a a uh what's the word i'm looking for uh not really having closure with his father although it's I find it, that if sad, anything sort of oh it's super sad yeah, yeah. and it's a callback to anything, the visitor where he was i was devastated. just gonna say yeah, yeah it makes it makes the future of the visitor all that much more plausible again yes yeah yeah I'm, but uh, yeah, I thought the final shot was really nice. Um, I yeah, I think that's about it. I think yeah, no, I, I don't have much else to say. I'm I'm a little. I think that the disservice to Jake maybe could have been fixed in a few ways. And on that final scene, in my mind's eye, I always remember as Kira goes up and says something to Jake, and I, oh, yeah. I, I feel it's appropriate. I feel it would have been appropriate for Jake to have the final line of the series in a lot of ways. Mm. Not that he's the best actor or anything, but I think that he is kind of the most outsider character in terms of the cast because he's the kid. He wasn't in most of it. He's the main cast member who's not in a majority of the episodes. He's always been sidelined or not as important as the rest of them. But he mm-hmm. has a kind of he would have a unique perspective, I think, on the change that he has seen over seven years, and specifically this final episode. And I feel like he would have something poignant to say before we pull out uh, and see the station disappear into the background. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, I think that would have been nice. All right, guys, let's call it a day for there. We'll go to final thoughts and then read some patron thoughts or vice versa or whatever. But we're going to take a break. We'll play an audio clip. We'll come back and do all that for What You do, Leave do, Behind. Do, 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 do. To the best crew any captain ever had, this may be the last time we're all together. But no matter what the future holds, no matter how far we travel, a part of us, a very important part, will always remain here on Deep Space Nine. Yes. Yes. 
All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to our DS9 coverage. Thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is patreon.com slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month and you get extra stuff and you're going to help decide what we do in the future. You vote on other topics that we cover, podcasts, all that good stuff. The podcast isn't ending. It's just DS9 that's over at this point. So special thanks go to our Captain Tier supporters. Andrew Cherlog, Ben Douglas, Captain Quark, Cardinal Doomsday, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, Darth Mosk, David Beardmore, David K, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH28, Yarpy, Jeffrey Koch, uh, Coke, I guess, uh, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Reyes, Kyle Barrett, Mad Courier, Matt Cutler, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Elledge, Samuel Custergrim, Santo Sean, Spinobi, Tarkletief, Tom House, Vault 13 Hero, and Will Yates. Thank you very much, guys. You're very generous. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you to everybody for listening. And uh, that's about it. So we'll go to patron thoughts now. For the final episode of DS9, if you're a patron, you leave your thoughts on upcoming episodes and we read them. Poindexter G says, I think the Dominion War part of this finishes up nicely. Everything makes sense. It's all shown well. Bajor is safe, as is DS9. The Federation Romulan Klingon Alliance is battered, but they're all intact. Cardassia is beaten, destroyed. Uh, beaten, destroyed planet. Did Cardassia bring on their own demise? Maybe. But you still feel for them anyways. And what did the Dominion and the Founders do from here? Does this whole process change them, or did they just kind of stay the same and keep the Gamma Quadrant? The Cisco Ducat storyline, however, always felt kind of flat for me. Everything was there for it to work, but it doesn't. And really, since Cisco's role as the emissary goes back to the first episode, it's a bit unfortunate. So the characters' lives move on. Some stay on DS9, some move on elsewhere. Cisco is somewhere. It was a good ending, but not quite at all not quite all of what it could have been. I'm going to miss these characters. Abid Hussein says, What you leave behind, tissues at ready and make sure I'm all alone. My wife and kids just don't get this obsession with this dated 30-year-old TV show, but the finale always has me in tears, especially poignant knowing that this show will never likely return. They uh, they knew they weren't getting movies, Clay, which is interesting to me. And they, oh, really? ended, they ended it obviously <laughs> knowing that that was not going to be a possibility. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of bummed. Like, the the as much as I like it because it has an ending... Part of what's fun about Star Trek is everybody's always just kind of out there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, you can, can pull do, them into things. Yeah, you can do Nemesis or whatever and, and have a shot where Picard talks to Janeway. I, is it, I don't remember if it's Nemesis or one of the other. Yeah, ones. it is. But speaking of that, uh, did Worf lie? Because Worf is still <laughs> hanging around in Starfleet on in Nemesis on the Enterprise and he didn't go off with hey, Martok. you know, it's a long <laughs> trip. You know, you got to say bye to other people. Sometimes you get roped into shit, you know. Yep. Uh yeah, it's too bad. Like I I was I was thinking yeah, as much as I don't really as much as I'm not looking to Picard to be the nostalgia wagon check-in with everybody from the Star Trek universe, mm. part of me kind of it, it hopes carries that, that maybe, burden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Part of me kind of hopes he stops over at Deep Space 9 for a second. I don't know. It, <laughs> he probably like I yeah, I wouldn't like if it was if they had an episode of Picard that was like Picard and Emissary, right? Where he spends that amount of time at DS9 before touching off somewhere. I wouldn't mind mm-hmm. that in in a sense. Like that seems like it fits to me. He's been there before. See the see what the station is like at this point. It's some way to update yourself. But yeah, it's it's a good point. Yeah, like bring Kira back. Uh, just have Cisco there and be like, "Yes, I came back eventually. I came back two weeks yesterday. Yes, that's I've yeah, been here just yesterday. hanging out." Yeah, I like I because you know I as I said on the wine, <clears throat> the wine podcast. I uh, when when Sean and I were knocking around this idea for a Star Trek comic, I very much wanted the Starfleet based antagonist for Picard to be Cisco because it made sense to me that he would be the one to be to to go off after 
Picard to bring him back in. Yep. Uh, obviously, that won't be happening because he's fucking around in the ether somewhere, I guess. But <laughs> Or just maybe like touch into Sirach Lofton's life and he's like, yes, everything that happened in The Visitor came true. Yeah, and I'm a, depressed, <laughs> I'm a depressed writer now. Just dying. Yeah, just waiting for his father to come back. I know, I know. Yarpy says, excellent finale for a very good show. We get a satisfying ending for the character storylines and show itself. Except for the Power Wraith crap, which I still don't like, even though Alemo is great to chewing the scenery. I do, really don't like them killing off Damar, but they probably thought they had to kill him off, given his history on the show, and that they had to kill at least one regular. Usually these kinds of finales feel rushed, but this one, in my opinion, feels just right. The montage where they show the clips from the previous episodes is well done. It's just a shame they couldn't get Terry Farrell in there, probably due to bad blood between the producer, producers and her. The final scenes between the different characters were also very satisfying, especially the last one between Quark and Odo. I'm actually surprised that they couldn't use prior footage because I always assumed that they I own mean, it. I guess it. Yeah, I guess it was unless it was a point to say fuck you to her or something. But like I. It was a money issue, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah, she was she was asking for too much is what uh, Iris Stephen Bear said in a thing. He's He was annoyed that they couldn't do it, but the, with the the way that the budget was looking for the episode, the amount she was asking for how little she was going to be in it was too much, and they couldn't they couldn't justify it. That's a bummer. It is. It's a, it's a, it sticks out, doesn't it, that she's yeah. not there? Yeah. I You know, if they ever put it out on Blu-ray, which they're not going to, uh, they should go back and they should cut in during that montage. They should... Come come to terms with uh, Terry Farrell now and just cut in some footage of uh, Jedzia in yep. that, those flashback things. No, I would. I for my enhanced Blu-rays would just have those flashbacks be an ed- extra ten minutes long and just have all the good stuff in it. Like just just show yeah. everything. You know, it's it would probably ruin the flow and and stuff like that. But maybe has it have a uh, deleted scenes or something. I would also the my adjusted my alternate Blu-ray version would be the show just ends at that the party. Uh, <laughs> At the party, yeah. <laughs> uh, what did I say? Chad Wiley says, DS9 is one of my go-to examples for how to do an ending right. Not a lot of shows take the time to wrap up all their character stories in the way that this one does. The whole extended cast really give their characters proper send-off. Sure, not all of it works. The Wynn and Ducat stuff is kind of silly, and it lacks any Jedzia flashbacks, and that's embarrassing. But on the whole, it's incredibly satisfying. DS9 has always been one of my favorite TV shows, and the strength of the ending is a big part of that. I love it every single time I see it. Captain Quark- I still can't. I still can't believe that they structured this show to make it seem like they forgot that the Ducat stuff was happening. <laughs> like, I didn't even find it clever. It wasn't even like, oh, I bet you forgot that this was happening. It yeah. felt like, oh, shit, we have a whole other plot line we need to wrap up in the next 20 minutes of our show. And it's a doozy. Captain Quark says, I found the conclusion of the war and where most of the characters wound up to be satisfying. The fate of Cardassia was both ironic and chilling. Odo's decision decision to rejoin the founders is poignant and makes sense given his series-long characterization. The weak point, unsurprisingly, is the wrap-up of the Prophet storyline, which is too flawed from the start to make it compelling. In retrospect, I think the writers squandered the potential of Dukat as a cult leader, making the Power Wraiths cultists a... Uh, making the Power Wraith cultists a terrorist group would have made Ducat's story more interesting and thematically tied into the whole leadership struggle in the Alpha Quadrant. Matt Ross says, yeah. uh, "You just said yes. You agree?" Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I still, I still think they shouldn't have done the uh, facial reconstruction thing. I think they should have had Kai Win go to Ducat purposely because he is a Power Wraith like expert yeah. or something. Yeah. 
<clears throat> Matt Ross says, when I first saw this, I was unhappy with how it ended. Ezra and Bashir's bedroom scene wasn't needed. You get the points of departure for all the characters. Damar's ignoble and, and exit I found sad, as well as the destruction of Cardassia. Garrick's fading into the rebuilding hit me harder as I wanted to see the rest of his stories. His character is always such a mystery. The flashbacks were interesting on how they had to maneuver away from Jadzia in their memories, like Worf only remembering season seven. Maybe as I'm now a father, the memories of Jake made me extra wistful, and wanting to know what happens to him next as well as watching him fade into the pinprick of light made me weepy. Kira now in charge seems like she was ready with Nog's help, the goodbyes with Odo begrudgingly with Quark as the savior to his people. Worf's ambassadorship, O'Brien leaving the love of his life, all made me want another two or three episodes. The ending with Dukat and Sisko, the battle of good and evil, was weirdly rushed, uh, as expected, and a proxy fight and winning at great cost. And although things stay the same in some regards, as Quark says, when the camera pulled back and showed the tiny size of the station as well as the great magnitude of the universe, you can't help but realize that you wanted more and were saying goodbye to our imaginary friends and heroes. Dwayne Hack- They do, um... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Was that, uh, they do, uh, <clears throat> leave the fate of Cardassia fairly unresolved, don't they? I mean, it's destroyed, basically. I, I think that they, they even sort of... They hint at the fact that the Romulans and Klingons are also in bad shape because they are not capable of invading anywhere, Odo says. So, mm. yeah. It would have been interesting if they had done something like the remaining population of Cardassia had been, was being relocated to Bajor, who was welcoming them in as refugees or something yeah. like that. You know, like yeah. some sort of tie up there where it's, they are now. In in their time of need, Bajor is stepping up and being and being the bigger person and welcoming in these you know and maybe that maybe that's how you do the Federation thing right yeah so you have Bajor welcoming in Cardassia and Ross is talking about that and he's like honestly it's a big step forward to getting them into the Federation yeah I I guess my only problem with that if I was writing would be uh, Garrick has that speech about like the Cardassians seem so prideful that I wonder if mm-hmm. they would even do something like that. Uh, Garrick's final speech is about how we used to be on top, like we had the best culture, we had the best of everything, and now look at us. And right. um, it seems they might be too prideful of a group to do that. But I, I, I could see that happening uh, in some ways if, if Bajor just opened um, their arms as a kind of, you know, religious experience of forgiveness and something like that. Yeah, you uh, you wouldn't even have to say that Cardassia accepted or right. whatever. Just but they made the like, offer. Yeah, Bajor, Bajor has opened the opened up their their borders to welcome the Cardassians as refugees or something. Yeah. Dwayne Hackett says, out of all the series finales, this one's is a, this one is a gut wrench. It scores just above all good things, although at points it feels rushed, especially with the way the war ended. I don't think it could have been handled in any, any other way, although although I don't think it could have been handled any other way. And that final montage they did at the end, it gets me every time. Plus, Cisco is a god. Picard should be jealous. A few gripes with it. One, Dax, uh, Jadzia Dax is not featured. Could be due to her contract issues. Two, Worf lied to Martok, see Star Trek Nemesis. Three, I find it hard to believe that Sisko would not have appeared to Jake. Their bond is the strongest in the series, yet he doesn't even say goodbye. Even if the writers were trying to save time, they could have had Sisko pull him into the vision Sisko had with Cassidy with a hug and her still following through with the same actions. Uh, I would also, I would have also loved a nice farewell between Garrick and the other cast members, but his last lines to Bashir were probably the best of the entire episode. Five out of five. Kyle Barrett says... It's been a long road getting from there to here. A wonderful finale that hits most of the right notes. But I want to use this chance to say a big thank you to Wes and Clay for doing the podcast and bringing us so much entertainment over the years. 
And thanks and to all the only guests. us, <laughs> not to any of the guests. <laughs> and thanks to all of the guests who have appeared. Too. Ah, you ruined it, Kyle. Even that absolute plank, Matt Ross, who was on for a podcast or two. And cheers for letting us mere listeners have a chance to share our opinions on the podcast, even though I imagine everyone who doesn't leave comments just fast forwards through this section. It's been a hmm. pleasure to watch the show alongside you guys, but enough ass kissing. Do Enterprise already. Christian Pouch, thank you, Kyle. Thank you very much. Christian Pouch says, I could talk for hours about this, so I'll try to be quick. My highlight of the episode is everything involving the Cardassians. Their turn during the execution, their turn during the space battle, the assault on the command center, Damar's death. It's all pretty great. Space battle is a great space battle. Dukat, Wynn, and Sisko. It all could have been played better, but their fates make enough sense in the context of what they've been building towards. In summary, I think this is the best Trek series finale in large part to how well they wrap up all the stories. The world is still continuing, but we have satisfying conclusions to where everyone ends up. Their flashbacks, goodbyes, and the scene in Vic are so heart. The scene in Vic's are so heartwarming. Five out of five. Neil Brennan says, "Trying to explain the Ducat win plot to me from start to finish. I dare you." I okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, I was watching. We had a friend staying with us last night, and uh, I had to watch Star Trek, and she had dipped in. Along, she said she had watched some TNG and she had watched some Deep Space Nine, but she obviously had not watched it in a long time. And uh, I and she was staying on the couch, and I had to watch this, so I was like, "Do you mind if I put this on?" She's like, "No, not at all." And I found myself having to, I I didn't, I probably didn't have to do this. You felt I was, you felt you needed to. I, yeah, I felt I felt <laughs> I felt the need to be like, "All right, this is the final episode. This is not going to make sense. I should probably dip in and kind of explain some stuff." And. uh it really made it, it. It did that thing where you know, um, where you're watching something that you like with someone who is an, for lack of a better term, an outsider. Yeah, who and is I'm not someone who is it, yeah. also also a fan. You become a lot more uh, aware of the silly shit that you're watching. Yeah, yeah. Every time, every time the Kai Win stuff came on, I like paused it, tried to explain what was going on, and I was like, I don't know. This is just. This is just really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to Neil's, to Neil's point, it's just so it's on such flimsy footing. Why any yeah. of them do anything? It's purely just they have to. The writers have to pull the strings to get those characters into certain positions. So it's just there's no good motivation for anybody in any turn, anything that they choose to do in that arc. Yeah, my explanation. I think I paused it, and the most that I said was. Uh, he is a bad guy who used to rule her people, and now he's tricking her to help him to get these gods to come back. And yes. she's like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, like it's worse than that, though. It's much. <laughs> yeah, it's much- I, I, I was like, <laughs> boilerplate, get you through the scene. So you know. Last comment, Russell Elledge. Not without its flaws, but still my favorite Star Trek finale. I'll get the bad out of the way. I thought the Cisco Ducat Power Wraith ending was a bit anticlimactic, and they've been teasing this great task and destiny that Cisco must fulfill, which in the end, I guess, means just pushing Ducat off a cliff. Also, if the book was key to everything and the prophets are all knowing and outside of time, couldn't they just tell Cisco or anyone, for that matter, to simply grab the book and toss it into the nearest fireplace? That is, a yeah, big, it's a big you, problem with it. Yeah, yeah. You, I think you said it like three episodes ago. Why does this book exist? Yeah. Why doesn't somebody destroy this book like a thousand years ago? Yep, yep, <clears throat> yep. Uh, well, we didn't know what it could do. Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> I know the the book being the key is just so so silly. Um, aside from a few other nitpicks that aren't worth getting into. I really enjoyed everything else in the wrap-up of the war, the party at Vix, the montage of all the characters, to the final goodbye of Odo and Quark. It felt like they gave time for the episode to breathe and say goodbye to all the characters. Also, if you look at the background extras during the party at Vix, you'll spot Iris Stephen Bear, 
Max Grudenchek, Jeffrey Combs, and Casey Biggs. Poor Jake oh, didn't really? have much to do in this episode, but I like how we got the last shot. There's all the actors out of makeup, and all of the writers and producers are also there. Yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't catch uh, Combs and Biggs back there. I will have to go back and look. If oh. you if you watch um, during this the thing where Cisco gets his bat signal and says he has to go, and he's telling Cassidy mm-hmm. at Vic's party, uh, Ron Moore is slow dancing behind them in the in the shots of it. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do want to circle back to something that you said a long time ago. Um, would if the final shot had been zooming away from the seat from the uh the station and like instead of just the space it's like a it's a camera pull out of uh benny russell Russell of his eye would you find that would you still think that would be a satisfying conclusion they were going to do that that was the idea it wasn't going to be a pull out to an eye but you would just cut to benny russell sitting with a script in his hand called deep space nine mm-hmm. um i think it undercuts it a little bit too yeah, much me too. i i also i think it's appropriate and i think it thematically makes sense and i think that it works really well with what the series says but i think it pulls you out of that i think the final moment that they have have here is near perfect and doing anything else would have been just too much on top of it yeah yeah i think so too uh i i what i would have liked is if instead of uh instead of uh doing a spit take and running to his car to save the day if they had, uh, if the prophets had zapped him into Benny Russell's body, and it was Benny Russell having to beat up that that shitty cop, yeah, the co- <laughs> played by Ducat, <laughs> pushes him into a uh, YMCA swimming pool or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it. Uh, poor Jake didn't have much to do this episode, but I liked how he got the last shot. Thank you very much, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about that episode and all the previous ones. It makes the uh, it always reminds us of something that we forgot to talk about, so it's much appreciated. Thank you for supporting the show. All right, Clay, your final mm. DS9 rating on a scale of one to five. What are you going to give what you leave behind? Uh, I'm going to give it a five. I am going to say personally, comparing the two series finales, uh, I thought this was great, but I th- but um, best uh, – sorry, not best of Uh All Good Things is still my favorite episode of Star Trek TNG, mm-hmm. and I would not say that this is my favorite episode of Deep Space Nine. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's a good so way to put I, it. Yeah, so I would compare them that way. Also, you know, moving forward – I've said some things about about uh my thoughts on Star Trek moving forward. And uh I don't want to, you know, make it a direct one-to-one comparison with having a child. Mm. But uh you know how when people have a kid, I I think you you might I have no aware. idea. Um <laughs> I I'd zone out. You know, it's like, oh, the pregnancy was awful. It was the worst pain I've ever had in my entire life. I can't wait to have the second one because mm-hmm. you kind of like get through it and then you remember the good stuff and you're like, yeah, I would do that again. Sure. I'd say there's a there's a three-month uh, process in between getting to that point, but I understand what yeah. you mean. Yeah. yeah. I kind of feel like now that we're done with this, I'm kind of in that headspace right now because I do really enjoy this, the world of Star Trek. I'm probably going to regret it as soon as we start the next show. <laughs> as soon as you're pregnant again, you could be like, this is, yeah, a, I was exactly. wrong. This I is was a wrong. terrible idea. I should have taken my <laughs> shot. Um, but like, I, I, I don't want to say that I'm, I'm ready to jump into Voyager from episode one or no, anything like that, no, but I'm I am, say that. I am looking forward to the next thing that we do. 
It's going to be Picard. So that's, yes. that's and the thing. Are we, doing, we also do in the movies too? The if, we have, movies? if we have time uh, yeah. doing one a week, uh, maybe that's a good way to do it. So, uh, so you, you'll give this, a, well, I'll touch base. Uh, I'll give this a five as well, just because I think that the finales get a little bit of extra leave. I think the Ducat stuff is awful. Awful, awful, Same. awful. Yeah. And if this was a normal episode, it would knock it down to a four, potentially. Yeah. Uh, but as a finale, I think that it works largely. And there's no way to not say that this is... I would say this is one of the top 20 episodes of Star Trek DS9. So it's going to go into that for sure. me. Um, sure. But yeah, back to your point. Picard will be next. Uh, what was the other thing that you asked me about that? The Kelvin movies. Oh, the movies. Yeah. So we'll we'll try to do... We have to at least do the first one to get Romulus out of the way. Mm-hmm. And then if we have time, I would like to do the other two just to get those mm-hmm. out of the way. The only other things that we have leading up to that once this is over is um, we should do the DS9 documentary yep, and a DS9 series wrap up, which will be a shorter podcast, just kind of thoughts in general, because we didn't really tell. We stayed pretty true to this episode in this discussion, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. which is good and intentional, but we'll do a short one about that. So it'll be series wrap up for DS9. DS9 documentary, and then the Kelvin movies, and then Picard. And we'll see where things stand after that. Cool. All right. Well, I think people are relieved to hear you say the, the pregnancy allegory there, Clay, about <laughs> it. But I think if, if it was Voyager, Voyager, if we were doing Voyager, it's news that we've already got two kids and now you're pregnant with triplets or something. You're like, yeah. oh, no. Like, this is, this is not what I wanted. Is, all I'm saying is let me have a couple glasses of wine and maybe we'll talk. <laughs> My, your mother's close enough to help out on the weekends. It's not going to be that bad. <laughs> oh, man. We're I've done. I'm looking to start that, leave my job and start that glove knitting <laughs> business from home anyway. So We're done with DS9. It took a long time. Uh, it's been fun. I've enjoyed watching this series. It was different from watching TNG for me. Uh, I was much less familiar with this one, but we'll save all that stuff for the series wrap-up, I think. But it's mm-hmm. been a lot of fun. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Let me know what you thought about uh, what you leave behind as a finale, as an episode, and all that stuff. You can write in. You can support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. All the social media is down below. Join the Discord if you want to talk about it. And I think that's it. We've got all the other shows. Check those out down below. Real Ripe is the movie podcast. Badass is coming back. We've got the other things that are out there, all the older shows that we finished, all that good stuff. And Picard is coming up soon after the Kelvin movies, probably. So anything you want to say, Clay, for this uh, final regular DS9 episode sign-off? Um, no. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening and keep coming back. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to what we do next. Guys, thank you very much for listening. And uh, you are now about to leave behind this podcast. So see ya.